This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the last seminar of GYC. It's... Uh, I tell you, it's always sad to see a high week like this come to an end, um, but we have a lot to look forward to in 2017, and I can think of no better way to end a year and begin a new one than being here at GYC. Are any of you here um, just for the weekend, so this is your first seminar you've come to? Anyone here? Yes, several of you. Welcome. We're glad that you joined us here for the weekend. We're glad that we can be a part of uh, what's happening here in Houston, and uh, I hope next year you might be able to be here for the whole time, or at GYC for the whole time, I should say, uh, not here in, in Houston. Today, as we begin our study of how to have personal Bible study that's meaningful and powerful, personal devotions, we sometimes talk about it, I'm just going to give you some pointers and some tips that hopefully will be helpful for you. Um, I, I have to make a a caveat, I guess I might say here at the very beginning, that um, if you're looking for some sort of a magic potion to just make your devotional, devotional life um, miraculously, um, unbelievably a eureka experience every day, I'm probably not going to be able to share that with you. But I hope that what I do share with you today is going to be something that will help you to over a process of time, have a meaningful, powerful time with Jesus in His Word on a regular basis. That's what we're looking for. Um, you know, the Bible is sometimes referred to, and First Peter refers to the Bible, the Word of God, as a living, uh, incorruptible seed which lives and abides forever. And a seed, sometimes, you know, when we plant a seed, we don't always immediately see a, 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 a tree come out, right? If you plant an acorn, you don't overnight just immediately see an, a, an oak tree. Um, it, it might be nice. Sometimes we might wish to be able to plant a seed and just, you know, the next day we'd start picking tomatoes or something. Um, that's, that's sort of our human nature in our, our uh, you know, microwave, fast food, drive-through society. That's sort of what we want with our Christianity sometimes too. But that, that's not what the Bible is. The Bible's a seed. And a seed sometimes takes some time to germinate and sprout and grow and become mature and begin bearing fruit. And as you spend time with the Word of God, you're planting that seed in your heart. And one thing we can be 100% sure of, that Word of God has power to change your life. You don't always see it immediately. You don't always feel it. In fact, sometimes other people will see the changes in you before you do. Sometimes we're not even aware that the time we're spending with Jesus is beneficial. But I guarantee the Bible's promise is true. His word does not return unto him void. He will, he will have a, a power in your life, to change your life, as you allow him to by entering into a study of God's words. So let's just begin with a word of prayer as we get started. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you that we can spend this time, the very last day of 2016, we can spend it dedicating it to you. Lord, we've come here from different parts, different places. We've come with different needs and different experiences, different backgrounds. Maybe even we speak different languages as our mother tongue, different cultures, different homes, different churches. Lord, all of us need you. All of us need a deeper walk with you and a growing walk with you every day. So I just pray that as we Spend some time today talking about how to have a powerful personal Bible study experience with you, that you'll send your spirit to be here and to be our guide. Father, my words are just human words. They have no power, but your word is the living and abiding word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword and able to wash us from all of our impurities and filthiness. We thank you for this word, and we ask that you would bless us as we study it today. In Jesus' name, amen. So to begin with, I'm just going to review, if you were here earlier in the week, we talked about the Word of God and why it's important. In fact, this goes back to the very first seminar in this six-part 
uh, series that we did this week. Um, the Word of God is important in our life because it reveals to us the character of God. All of us have a conception of God. All of us have formulated who God is to us in our own minds. For many of us, that view of God has been formed, unfortunately or fortunately, by the authority figures in our lives, by our families, by church leaders, by people that we looked up to in our own circle of influence. At a very early age, we begin to view how God relates to us and we compare it or we think that it's comparable to how other people have, have related to us. All I'm just going to say here is that no matter how good your environment or background or authority figures or parents or family have been, all of us need to have a clear and more accurate understanding of who God is. And how do we get that accurate understanding of who God is? We receive it as we spend time studying the Word of God. The Word of God reveals to us the character of God. The second thing the Word of God reveals to us, it reveals to us our own character. In other words, the Holy Spirit is able to speak to us about our needs, about our weaknesses, about our sins, about the things that we might need to grow in as we spend time studying the Word of God. That's God's primary means of communicating His will to us is in the Word of God. And so the Holy Spirit speaks through that Word. We talked about a lot of issues of revelation and inspiration, how God revealed His truth to the apostles and prophets, and then how they were inspired to communicate that down to us. But the third link, which is just as important, is how we now take this re revealed and inspired Word of God and the Holy Spirit applies it to our hearts. I like to simplify Christianity. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we make it far too complicated. There's a lot of people that are worried about not being in the kingdom of God because preachers have complicated the, the process. They've tried to make a checklist in the, you know, the, the Holy Club from John Wesley's college days method of a checklist. On Monday, we make sure we do this and this and this. On Tuesday, we do this and this and this. On Wednesday, don't forget to pray about that and to surrender this. and to Listen, I think that it's very important to understand that we have to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. That's very important. Surrender is the one-word summary of our part in the salvation process. But I like to simplify the knowledge necessary for salvation also. I have come to believe, there was a time in my life, when I was a young person, very young person, uh, when I was worried, I was especially worried about the time of trouble. Any of you who grew up in the Adventist church ever worry about the time of trouble? And you're afraid. I remember even as a five-year-old, a six-year-old, I think it must have been about that age, uh, I remember sort of halfway wishing that my dad would have a car accident and we'd all be killed because then I wouldn't have to go through the time of trouble. Isn't that terrible? I mean, it, I, I just, so, and I, it wasn't because my parents tried to scare me. That's not it at all. I just had somehow formed this idea of the time of trouble being really, really scary. And I didn't know if I could manage. And, and then I started thinking later after I got over that and realized that God's grace is, if it's sufficient for today, it's sufficient for tomorrow. Amen. Um, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will always make a way of escape. Is that right? Is that what the Bible says? You see, the, the issue is this. If we, if we overcome today, we're going to be stronger to overcome tomorrow. And God's only going to allow those things that we have been prepared for to come into our lives to tempt and test us. So we don't have to worry about the time of trouble. We need to worry about today, being faithful today, allowing God to work on our lives today. But then as I got a little older, I started to think, well, how could I ever know enough about the Bible to be ready for those questions that people are asking me? I mean, the Bible says you'll be taken before kings and before councils. And how are you going to... Oh, well, the Bible also says you'll be given that answer, right? The Holy Spirit will give you that answer. But I soon began to realize that it wasn't so important for me to understand every iota about Bible doctrine, all the proof texts, and all the, all the doctrines. What's, what's most important for me today, I need to be learning what God wants to teach me today. And I'll simplify it this way, okay? There are really, to be saved, there's only two things you need to know. Number one, you need to know who God is. Number two, you need to know who you are. Because if you know who God is, you know who you are, you will make an intelligent decision about the disposition of your soul. You will be making a good decision about surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Those, if you want to boil down the most important thing you need to know. And so, when we have personal devotions, when we have personal devotions, what are we trying to learn? 
What are we trying to get at? What are we trying to mine out of the Word of God? I want to propose to you this afternoon that the most important thing you can learn from the Word of God is just the two things that you need to know in order to be saved. You see, when I have a personal devotional life, my main goal is not to find Bible texts that I can use to convince somebody else of the truth of God's Word. There's a time for that, isn't there? I'm a pastor, so there's a time for preparing my sermon. But I need devotions that go beyond just preparing my sermon. If all I'm looking for is the Bible truths that baffle the Baptists so that I can show them the truth of God's Word, I'm missing out on the most important need for Bible study. And that's for me to be converted myself for that day. And for that, I need to have God's Word speaking to me about who He is and who I am. That's my goal for Bible study. My goal is for me to have a consistent Christian life. Some people ask me, why do we need to study the Bible every day? Very good question. Well, my personal experience is that unless in some way I am communing with God on a daily basis, I will have what I call a yo-yo Christian experience. You've, anybody ever played with yo-yos? They sort of go up and down, don't they? They go up and down. And a yo-yo Christian experience goes something like this. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a professed Christian. At least I'm, 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 I believe I love Jesus and everything else. But I begin to depend upon my own self to get through my day. And I think the devil plays these games with us, to be honest. I think the devil knows what he's doing. You think the devil studied us a bit? You think he knows how to work this plan? I think he does. And I think this is what he does. He says, oh, Chester's, Chester's praying a lot today. I'm going to back off. Chester's spending time with the Lord, depending on him for his strength. I'm going to back off. And so the devil lets me have a few good days. And along the way, I sort of start neglecting my Bible study and prayer. And because I'm pretty comfortable, everything's going fine. Everything's, uh, there's no problem. And as soon as I'm depending on my own strength, instead of God's strength, as soon as I've forgotten who I am and that I need, desperately need him today, the devil comes back with a temptation or with discouragement, or whatever it is, usually temptation and then discouragement, and I make a mistake, I say something I had, I fall into sin, I, I yield to temptation, and all of a sudden I feel, feel, feel discouraged and depressed. And then I have to go back to the Word of God and ask, ask for forgiveness, and, and, and once now I know who I am and I need to stay close to Jesus and for a few days, and then the devil backs off and the cycle begins all over. I call it yo-yo Christianity. Maybe you've experienced something like that before. This is the only way that I know to have a consistent Christian life is to spend enough time in God's Word to know who I am on a daily basis. That is to say, I should study and pray when I feel the need to study and pray. I should study and pray when I don't feel the need for study and prayer. And most importantly, I need to study and pray until I feel the need for study and prayer. Because that's when my devotions have accomplished something in my life. When I realize, getting up and facing my day, that I can't do it. And that I need Jesus by my side moment by moment. That's when, for me, my devotional time with Jesus has been effective. And now I can stay with Him throughout the day. So, the, the, this is why Bible study is important. To make it very brief, we only have an hour here. So I'm going to have to give you four steps for Bible study. We're going to come back to these one by one. So you don't have to write them all down right now. Um, we're going to come back to them one by one. I'm giving them as an outline here in the beginning. The first important step to having a, a meaningful Bible study time is to make it a habit. The second is to make it a conversation. The third is to make it thoughtful. And the fourth is to make decisions. This is what we're going to look at. We have now only 45 minutes left, and so we are going to try to look at these four steps. Simple enough, isn't it? But I hope that it will give you some, some ideas that will be helpful for you in your Christian experience. First, make it a habit. Second, make it a conversation. Third, make it thoughtful. And fourth, make decisions. All right, first of all, make it a habit. Forming a habit. I believe that our time with God should be, a, should be a daily experience. 
And I'm going to propose to you that the most meaningful devotional time that you can spend is early in the morning and late at night. I, wouldn't, I shouldn't say late at night. First thing in the morning and last thing at night. That's a better way of saying it. First thing in the morning and last thing at night. You know, the, the, the prophet Daniel gives us a good example, doesn't he? Early in the morning, his, his window would open, the window that faced back towards Jerusalem, back to the west, and his window would open and he would begin his day praying. That tells me a couple of things. We'll come back to some of those here in just a minute. But one thing it tells me is that he had a specific way of beginning his day. He had a specific way of ending his day, and that was to begin and end it with God and thinking and communing with God. Um, Now, the, the question is, how can we have how can we have a, uh, a, a beginning of our day with a, uh, a devotional thought or a devotional frame of mind? Some people say, when I wake up, I'm just in a hurry. When I wake up, I just have to get ready. When I wake up, I usually don't have any time or I'm half asleep or whatever it is. Listen, I put this in a, in a, in a certain sequence here. What is it? What is it? What does that say? End slash begin. Shouldn't it be begin and end each day with God? Shouldn't it be that way? I mean, don't, isn't that the way we usually think? Thanks to the Romans, when does our day begin? Midnight, right? That's when our day begins. That's when we think of it. So in the morning, we think our day has just begun. The Hebrew mind did not think that way. In fact, I think God did not intend for our minds to think that way. The Bible says that the evening and the morning were the first day. So right away, I'm going to give you a pointer. If you want to have a good devotional life, remember that the day doesn't begin in the morning. The day begins the night before. Okay, how today goes depends on how last night went and how tomorrow will go depends on how tonight goes. That's just reality. So if I want to begin tomorrow well, I ought to end today well. I ought to I ought to have a good ending to my day. So one of the key points to having a good habit, you're going to have to sacrifice something. We live in a in a society where we want everything for nothing, right? We think we want to have the best of everything without compromising anything. And the reality is you're going to have to sacrifice something if you want to gain what's more important, and that is a good devotional life. And I would propose to you that if you want to have a good beginning to your day, you need to take notice of how you end your day. And maybe you're going to have to make some decisions about going to bed earlier so that you can spend meaningful time with God before your day begins and the duties and responsibilities of the day come upon you. So I would propose to you a couple of things. First of all, not only go to bed earlier, but make it a habit to go to bed with a devotional thought or with a prayer on your heart. Uh, If you make this a habit, if you begin praying every night before you go to bed, you will find very soon that it doesn't even feel normal to try to go to sleep without praying. That's when you know it's a habit. You know, I went to Christian school most of my life, and the, I remember the first day that I went to a public university to take some classes. And I sat down in class, and the, and the professor came in, and he began to teach without having a prayer. And it just felt weird, because it was such a habit for me. And I said, well, if he's not going to pray, I'm going to pray. So I made a habit of every, pra- every class I made sure and said a prayer at the beginning. It didn't feel right if you didn't. And when I kneel by my bed or, or, or um, pray just before I go to sleep, when I pray at night, I am giving my worries and my cares and my stresses to God. And you know what? I can crawl into bed and I can go to sleep with as peaceful a mind as possible. And when something starts coming through my mind, something going on in the church or something going on and, and that I'm worrying about, I can remind myself, look, I've given that to the Lord. I'm just going to let him deal with it. It's not something for me to worry about at night. And I can fall asleep. But I can tell you one thing. I, it just feels weird trying to go to sleep without praying. Make that a habit. Now, what's the advantage of that? The advantage of that is if you end the day with a prayer, it's much easier to begin the day with a prayer. And um, ask God, ask God when you go to sleep to wake you up with him on your mind. Do you know, do you believe God can answer prayers? If you don't, you came to the wrong seminar because this is about having a, a powerful experience with God. And so 
You need to ask God simply, wake me up early enough to have a time with you and wake me up with a prayer on my heart. Now, what's that prayer that you should have on your heart? I want to share with you two prayers. I love these prayers. I've memorized these prayers. And these are, I, I, I like nothing more than waking up in the morning and this being the first thing that comes into my mind. Uh, no outward observances can take the place of simple faith and entire renunciation of self. But no man can empty himself of self. We can only consent for Christ to accomplish the work. Then the language of the soul will be, and here's the prayer. Lord, take my heart, for I cannot give it. It is thy property. Keep it pure, for I cannot keep it for thee. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mold me, fashion me, raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of thy love can throw, flow through my soul. That is only a few sentences. It's long, they're long sentences. But you can memorize that prayer and pray it in the morning. You don't even have to be out of bed. Your eyes don't even have to be open. And you can already be praying and saying, Lord, save me in spite of myself today, my weak, unchristlike self. Remind me of who I am and save me. Mold me, fashion me, raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of thy love can flow through my soul. By the way, that's Christ's object lessons, page 159. The next is from Steps to Christ, page 70. And it reads like this. Consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Let your prayer be, and here, a very short prayer, easy to memorize. Let your prayer be, take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in your service, thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. That's short enough and easy enough, isn't it? Take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at thy feet. Use me today in thy service. Abide with me and let all my work be wrought in thee. This is a daily matter. Each morning consecrate yourself to God for that day. Surrender all your plans to him to be carried out or given up as his providence shall indicate. Thus day by day you will be giving your life into the hands of God, and thus your life will be molded more and more after the life of Christ. Steps to Christ, page 70. So the first step is forming a habit, and the first step to forming a habit is beginning or ending and beginning each day, every day, with spending time with our Savior. I believe that we have to have a, uh, a specific time that we set aside for this. We need to have that time because if we don't have a specific time, what you're going to find is that you will find things encroaching into that schedule. Uh, but first, we're going to look at having a specific place, specific place. Now, this may sound a little bit too, I don't know, mystical or something, but I want to tell you something. I believe that if you want to have a powerful devotional life, you need to find a place where you can have a habit of going there and spending time with the Lord. That place should be some place that is free from distractions, free from other work that you need to do. And this is, this is where I take this from. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 84. Have a place for secret prayer. Jesus had select places for communion with God, and so should we. We need often to retire to some spot, however humble, where we can be alone with God. Now, you might say, I don't have that secret place. I don't have a house with a specific place I can only use for that. Well, at least have the same place that you, that you go to to spend time with the Lord. And at least try to make sure that place is some place that is free from distractions. It shouldn't be a place where you have the, your daily work in front of you. Um, there's, 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 um, there's a lot of wisdom, I think, to having a specific place as Jesus did. Education, page 259, says this, it was in hours of solitary prayer that Jesus in his earthly life received wisdom and power. Let the youth follow his example in finding at dawn and twilight a quiet season for communion with their Father in heaven. And throughout the day, let them lift up their hearts to God. At every step of our way, he says, I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand. Fear not, I will help thee. Could our children learn these lessons in the morning of their years? What freshness and power, what joy and sweetness would be brought into their lives. And young people, many of you are young. 
Many of you, you might say, well, I wish I'd started early. You can't start any earlier than now, no matter how young or old we are. And this is an opportunity for us to begin to learn habits, to lay a foundation of spending time with God. So begin and end and begin every day. Have a specific place and have a specific time, a dedicated time. For most people, I believe, early in the morning is the easiest to carve out. No, it's not easy. It's easiest. It's before a lot of other things are pressing on you. Some people maybe have a different schedule and they can find a specific time during the day that they can dedicate to God. But if you have that dedicated time, you have to guard it because otherwise something will encroach upon it. Now, when I became married, I began to realize that I had to be intentional about spending time with my wife, right? I had to be intentional. There's a lot of people, as a pastor, they'll call you any hour of the day or night. No problem. No complaints there. It's my job. I'm happy to be of service and to minister in that way. However, it's, if you're not careful as a pastor, you begin, to, you begin to let other things come up, and there's always the urgent and the crisis that comes up, and it begins to crowd out you know, my other appointments. Now, if I have an appointment with the head elder, I have an appointment with a church member to meet for half an hour, and the phone rings, I just ignore it because I'm in a meeting, Right? And I learned very quickly that it's best for me to do the same thing with my wife. There's times I'm in an appointment. I'm guarding that time. I'm busy. Will I be free this evening? No, I won't. I've, I, have, I, I agreed to spend this time. So guard that time with Jesus, right? If we can guard that time with other appointments, why can't we do it with the Lord? Guard that specific time that you set aside. And this is, listen, 2016 is ending. 2017 is is uh, beginning, at least if you're here at GYC listening to this, this is a great time, maybe as part of your New Year's resolutions. You can sort of begin adjusting your schedule and saying, this is how I want to change my daily routine so that I can have a better and more dedicated time with the Lord. And by the way, it takes a habit, 21 days to form. That's what they say, at least. Three weeks. If you, do, if you stick with something for three weeks, you will begin to find it easier to do it. And so those first three weeks, you have to spend the time. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm sorry to tell you this. You probably have already found this out. I think all of you are old enough to learn that it's easier to form a bad habit than it is to form a good habit, right? They say that bad habits are like comfortable beds. They're easy to get into and hard to get out of, right? Um, uh, for some reason, it's harder to form a good habit and easier to lose it. So stick to that three weeks and, uh, and see what you can't form as a new habit in the new year that is beginning. I want to I I say one more thing about this. Earlier we read a statement from the Spirit of Prophecy that talked about not only having a, a time in the morning and the evening to commune, but all throughout the day. And, and so I want to just touch on the idea of spending time with God, not just in your guarded, dedicated time, but but having an, uh, a mindset that looks for moments throughout the day. In other words, I might say, my time with God is this half hour, or this hour, and, and this certain time of the day, and then a little while again in the evening. And I might guard that time. But what I'm saying right now is that there actually could be, we could begin to so compartmentalize our life that we think, well, now I've spent the time with my God, now I don't need to... Think, be thinking about spiritual things again. And I want to give you some pointers. If you want to really have a powerful devotional life with the Lord, there are some things that you should just try to do throughout the day, not just in the morning, not just in the evening. Here, let me give you some suggestions. Here's a good one. How many of you have heard of audioverse.org? Audioverse.org. Okay, most of you, or many of you. Audioverse is a powerful tool to keep your mind focused on spiritual things. That means if you're driving in the car, you can, t you can tune into Audioverse. Well, we don't tune in. It's an app. You download an app. That's the easiest, or it's a website, audioverse.org. You download the Audioverse app that's available on either Apple or, or um, iOS or the Android platforms. Thank you. And uh, you download that app, and then you have all the seminars and all the sermons for virtually all of the GYCs ever, plus a whole lot more. I don't know what we're up to on Audioverse now, but it must be something around 15,000 or 20,000 sermons 
that are available on Audioverse. If you just have a few minutes, you know you can listen to the HMS Richards Voice of Prophecy radio broadcast from way back when. And you can listen to him, powerful preaching, let me tell you. You can listen to, you can listen to sermons, and if you don't have time for a sermon, or maybe even for some reason you're traveling, you didn't have time, your schedule, you woke up late, you can even listen to the Bible or books of the Spirit of Prophecy on your app while you're in your car, while you're commuting, while you're, while you're, if you have a waterproof phone case, while you're showering, do what, whatever you need to do. You can listen to the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy and sermons just about anywhere with Audioverse. So this is a powerful tool that you can take with you throughout the day. Another powerful way to keep Scripture close to you throughout the day is Scripture songs. And um, there's a number of albums you can purchase of Scripture songs, um, or you can find them. You can actually find... Um, you can actually find, um, what do they call the, I don't really use this, but my wife does. It's you can, um, you can, is it Spotify or one of those places you can go online and you can have your own like channel. You, you, can, you can listen to script, you can make your own scripture song channel and listen to scripture songs. Some of them you might have to sort through. But scripture songs are a powerful way to learn Bible verses. And you'll find them coming, coming to your mind throughout the day as you are listening to them, and they'll come back to you. Another powerful tool you might find, scripturetyper.com. It's an, also an app for iOS and Android, and ScriptureTyper allows you to memorize the Bible, and it, it's a little app that helps you to memorize the Bible. So now when you have a spare moment, instead of always checking your Facebook or Instagram or whatever we're addicted to, and I say that with all sincerity because I really believe that, that we struggle, I struggle, with sometimes impulsively turning to these types of things, instead of always doing that, if we would turn to Scripture Typer or some of these other apps, and we could start memorizing a Bible verse, if we only have five minutes or two minutes or a few minutes during the day. Keep a Bible with you, as Ellen White said in the passage we read earlier. Today we have the Bible on our devices, and that's good if we cannot get distracted by everything else. Another way to keep our mind focused throughout the day is by taking glow tracks. Anyone here give out glow tracks and outreach this week? Yeah, you found, I think you found, that if you gave out glow tracks, you probably started praying about those tracks, didn't you? And about your contacts, about your people. So one of the ways we can keep our mind throughout the day is by uh, giving literature out. Another way is by putting verses or quotations from the Spirit of Prophecy around your house where you're going to see them. Do you spend time in a certain place throughout the day? Maybe it's when you're washing the dishes. You can put it right there in front of you, and you can have a Bible pro a promise or a quotation from Ellen White that is going to... You, you, can, you can read that. You can see there what it's talking about. I worked for 15 years at Washtenaw Hills Academy in college, and one of the things I appreciate every time I go back there is in the bathrooms... In front of the sink on the mirror, there's a little nicely printed out quotation. And over there by the hand dryer, there's a little nicely printed out quotation. And they change those. So you're looking at different Bible verses or different quotations. Every Listen, you're going to stand there anyway, aren't you? You're going to be washing those dishes or doing those things. You might as well be jogging your memory, putting God's word in your heart and reminding you of spiritual things as you go throughout your day. So the first thing is to make it a, a, a habit. The second is to make it a conversation. And I want to just talk to you a little bit about this in Bible study as we go um, through here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 15. Uh, the, the, the principle that I'm going to share with you here is that don't be so segregated in your Bible study, in your devotions, that you have just a time for prayer and then just a time for reading and then maybe just another time for prayer. I used to do that. And I found that it was not always very efficient because I found myself, this is what happened. I found myself waking up and praying and then I'd open my Bible and I'd start reading. Have you ever read the Bible and the words just start swimming in front of your eyes? But you got to keep going because you're trying to get to the end of the chapter. You know what I'm talking about? You don't have an idea of what it's about. You're glassed over and you're reading through the chapter. One of the things that will help you is if you... Instead of just reading during this time, you're reading and praying. You're talking to God. In other words, you're making it a conversation. So just to give you a, an example, John chapter 15, we could, we could pick up just about any passage, but I like the book of John, and it's an easy one to talk about. So we'll just start there, John chapter 15, and we begin with verse 1. 
If I'm reading this for my devotions in the morning and I'm saying, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What am I going to pray to God about as I read this? Well, you know, it might take a little while for you to start learning to look and comprehend, especially early in the morning if you're doing it then and you're not used to it. But you're going to start saying, Lord, what are you saying to me in this text? The true vine. Are there false vines out there? Lord, may I... Is it possible that I might be trying to connect myself to dead vines that aren't going to satisfy me? Lord, am I a, one of those vines that are bearing fruit or not bearing fruit? Do you think if you ask God these questions that he's willing to speak to you as you continue to study your word? In other words, you're praying about every single thought that comes through here. What about pruning it? Lord, am I prepared? Maybe, Lord, I want to I give you permission to prune in my heart and life today. Do you understand? Do you understand the example that I'm giving here? We're talking about making a conversation instead of just reading and maybe praying at the end. Throughout your Bible study time, begin praying about it. This helps us to make it um, an interactive, conversational time between us and God. And if you specifically ask God to speak to you through the Word, I believe that He will. I believe that He can, and I believe that He will. When you begin praying through the Word, the, verse, the chapter goes on, Already you are clean because of the Word that I've spoken to you. By the way, that's one of the benefits. The Word is a cleansing Word. Number four, verse four, Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So, Lord, I need to be connected to the true vine. I need to be abiding in you. Help me today to understand what it means to abide in you. You know, we were talking about how we should have a, uh, we can have, a walk with God all day long. I want to tell you, um, one, of the, one of the people that made a profound impact in my life when I was a youngster was a man by the name of Joe Cruz. Anyone remember Joe Cruz? Joe Cruz was an evangelist. He'd been a missionary in India and, and an evangelist. He, he along with some others, uh, began the ministry today known as Amazing Facts. They began there in, in uh, Maryland. Oh, I think it was. They started in Maryland. Um, and uh, they were there for many years anyway. And um, they, uh, Joe Cruz had a book that he, uh, an autobiography called The Reigns uh, on My Life. And as a youngster, I read this autobiography of Joe Cruz, Reigns on My Life. And I remember something deeply impressed me about the young Joe Cruz after he had been converted and gave his life to Jesus Christ. He said that he read in the Bible how he was to pray without ceasing. And that really baffled him. How are you to pray without ceasing? He began to realize that this meant not that he should be verbally praying all day long, but that he should be connected with God all day long. So, so connected that whenever something came up, his natural impulse would be to turn to God just like, as Ellen White says, the flower turns to the sun, right? Just natural. Just natural. That's what it means. And so Joe Cruz said, I decided that I wanted to try to be connected to God all day long. And I'm a young kid reading this, but it, it really profoundly in, in, in impacted me. He said, you know, at first I just, I just tried and, and sure enough throughout the day I it came to a point where I sort of forgot. I was just busy in my things. But then I would bring myself back. And he describes in this, in this book, his autobiography, his experience of seeking to learn to be connected with God all day long. One of the things that we can do is to, um, is to ask, God to, um, ask God to help us stay connected, abiding. We're reading here John chapter 15, verse 4. Lord, help me today to abide in you. Is that a big prayer? Is that, is that a big request? It's not natural for us to abide. 
It's not. We take ourselves out. We, we, we get busy. We... I remember one time I had a watch. Remember the watches? This was high tech back then, you know. I could make it beep every hour. Remember those watches? You can still get watches to do that. Mine doesn't anymore. But I remember after reading that book, I said, you know what? I'm going to set my watch to beep every hour. And at least once an hour, I'll have a reminder that I should be abiding in Christ. And if somehow I've become so busy in the frenzy and the activities of the day that I've sort of taken my mindset away from abiding in Christ, every hour I'll have that reminder. So Lord, help me today to abide in you. So you see how the Bible study can become a prayer and a study all at the same time? Um, all we've read is four verses, but it's been a meaningful four verses, hasn't it? And just about every passage of Scripture can become meaningful to us as we begin praying about it and asking God to speak to us through the Word. So the first is to, is to make it a habit. The second is to make it a conversation. The third is to make it thoughtful. And um, I'm going to propose to you that in order to make it thoughtful, you ought to have a plan for your Bible study. One of the things, you know, and I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions, probably because I'm not, a very, I'm not very good at following through on New Year's resolutions. But I am a fan for starting new, aren't you? And New Year's is a time to start new. And so New Year's resolutions, this is the way I think of it. New Year's resolutions is a good time for me to set goals. Uh, the, one of the reasons that I tend to be sort of resistant to New Year's resolutions is because I think it's sort of cheesy to wait until New Year's to make changes. Like, why don't we have the first of every month resolutions or Saturday night, Sunday morning resolutions, you know, or maybe even just 6 a.m. resolutions, you know. Let's not wait till New Year's to make the changes in our life that we want to make, okay. But the reality is, the reality is that one of the New Year's resolutions that I often make is how I want to go about reading the Bible. One of the things HMS Richards Sr. used to do is he would, the very first thing every year, he'd read his Bible through from cover to cover. I've known others who said they don't want to read anything else until they've read their Bible through for that year. I've set that goal. I've not always followed through with it. But it's a plan, you understand. Have a plan. And by the way, tonight, the 31st, is a good time to be positive about New Year's resolutions um, because tomorrow's New Year's and you can have a plan to how you're going to study the Bible. Um, this is what the Spirit of Prophecy says, Christian Education, page 58. One passage studied until its significance is clear to the mind and its relation to the plan of salvation is evident is of more value than the perusal of many chapters with no definite purpose in view and no positive instruction gained. Keep your Bible with you as you have opportunity. Read it. Fix the text in your memory. Even while you're walking the streets, you may read a passage and meditate upon it, thus fixing it in the mind. So have a plan to study the Bible in a methodical way. And um, I will, I'm going to give you some suggestions. One thing that I found helpful, and this has been part of my Bible study plan for the last number of years, has been the Revival and Reformation website that is, um, that is provided for us by the General Conference. And uh, we can't see there very well on the website, but right here on the top left, there is a devotional button. And um, you can't see it if you're sitting in the back and maybe not even if you're sitting in the front. Right there, it says devotional. If you were to click on that, a drop-down menu comes down, and you can either read today's devotional or you can subscribe. And that's what I really enjoy, because when I subscribe to that, and I subscribe to it before it was even made public, because I happen to be aware of this being planned and uh, the very first day, uh, this was in St. Louis, I think, the general conference session in 2010. Is that right? Um, it was Atlanta, 2010. And when it was launched, they began a plan where you would read the entire Bible through, uh, beginning in Genesis 1 and ending in Revelation 22 at the next general conference session. So it was five years. That's a long time, okay? But it's a plan, right? And what you can do if you subscribe is this comes in your email every day. And it comes at like 4 a.m. in the morning. So hopefully you don't get up too much before that. If you do, you'll just need to, I guess, figure out ahead of time what the reading is going to be. But um, you also have a chart there, a calendar. You can see what it's going to be. But it comes in your email. So you don't even have to go look it up. 
and uh, every day you're reading. And um, now they have, along with it, a Spirit of Prophecy reading plan. That finished in 2015, the, the, the Bible reading plan. Now they're reading through the Conflict of the Ages series and the Bible together. And um, that, by the way, is one of the best plans that I can give to you if you want to, if you want to have a plan for uh, reading the Bible. That makes it easy. You can just subscribe. Another idea for making it thoughtful is to keep a journal. Keep a journal. Um, some people are good at journaling. Some people aren't. Some of us don't naturally like to be very effusive with our thoughts and feelings. And um, maybe we're more private. We're afraid someone would see it and we just don't put it down. But a journal is a good way to make you think about what you're reading. And also that you can come back later and remember what you were praying about and what you were impressed about as you were having your devotions on that day. Read the Bible along with the writings of Ellen White. This is one of my favorite ways to have devotions. And I'll tell you why. Especially, um, this is one of my favorite ways to show people how to have devotions if they haven't been in that habit. If you begin with Patriarchs and Prophets, you will find the story of the, of the great controversy. Starts with Patriarchs and Prophets, moves on to Prophets and Kings, then Desire of Ages, Acts of the Apostles, and Great Controversy, right? It covers all 6,000 years of human history, from the beginning of creation and the fall, all the way down to the restoration of the universe without sin in the end, right? A 6,000-year understanding of the, of the plan of salvation. But what you'll find, if you start reading Patriarchs and Prophets, at the bottom of every chapter in the Conflict of the Ages series, at least most editions of it, they have what chapters of the Bible that chapter is based upon. So this is my suggestion. Go to the Patriarchs and Prophets, begin reading, begin by reading those chapters that it's based upon. Read them in the Bible and then read them in Patriarchs and Prophets. Now what you're going to find here, it's not like you're just going to a commentary and you're understanding how, you know, Genesis and the fall and all this works. It's an inspired commentary, yes. Okay, this I believe is truth. I believe the spirit of prophecy is a is uh, is is a is an inspired source of truth. But what you see is how she takes the Bible truth, not just expands upon it, but how she begins to apply it personally to our lives. And the Conflict of Ages series is powerful applications of the truth of what happened in those days to how we ought to live today. This will teach you not only new things about the passages but it will teach you the correct method of applying Bible truth to our personal lives today. That is one of the great strengths, I believe, of studying the Bible and the spirit of prophecy together. Because Ellen White takes those passages and she makes them relevant for me living in 2016 or 2017. Now I see what that means for me. It's not just a story from the Bible. And as the, I think the more you read the Bible and spirit of prophecy together in that way, the more you're going to begin to be able to make those applications yourself as you study the Bible and as you see those stories and passages, you'll begin to understand how the Holy Spirit works in applying those to ourselves. The, the last point I'm going to make about making it thoughtful is to ask questions. Now, you might make those questions as part of your prayer to the Lord. Lord, am I abiding in you? Did I abide in you yesterday? Is there something you would have for me to confess? Is there something in this passage, there's a, a command for me to obey or a, an example for me to follow? Is there something here that I need to do? Is there a promise for me to claim? Is there a sin for me to avoid? And it wouldn't even hurt. Again, I'm not a big fan of just sort of like a checklist of, of Bible study, like, you know, like the early days of of uh, John Wesley, you know, just asking rote questions every day. Um, but it wouldn't hurt to have a, in your Bible a list of questions that you might ask about a, any Bible text. Is there a promise for me to claim? Is there a sin for me to avoid? Is there a command for me to obey? Is there an example for me to follow? Is there, you know, is there, is there something for me to share with somebody else? Is there, is there a sin for me to confess? Um, there's all those questions that you can ask. And as you begin asking those questions, you will make your Bible study thoughtful. So it won't just be reading with your eyes glassing over. And when you get to the end of the chapter, you don't even remember really what you read. Because you've been asking questions. You've been, you've been reading the Bible. You've been praying along with it. 
and your devotional life will be meaningful. Now, I'm going to say, before we go on to the last step, I want to say something very clear. I hope I, I tried to make it clear at the beginning. There are some of you who listen to other people talk about their Bible study experience because someone will raise their hand in church or in a Vesper somewhere and say, I was reading the Bible and it was just amazing. Like God spoke to me and I saw this I'd never seen before and it was just such a beautiful experience and I just left on a high. And you're thinking, why doesn't that happen to me? Right? Well, the reality is it doesn't happen to anybody every time they study the Bible. Sometimes when we hear that one testimony, and we think that that person always has that every day. Well, they may just have a very expressive way of saying things every day, but I can guarantee you it's not, it's not as though every single day you're going to find something earth-shattering. What I want you to understand is that even if you don't see the change happening in your life, God's Word is changing your life. It is. I don't care if you're reading one verse a day and praying and thinking about it, or a chapter a day, 10 minutes, an hour. If you are spending time in God's Word, He will be working in your life. If you're asking Him to, He will. So don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged if you don't come away thinking, I have this eureka moment every day. No, just keep asking God to speak to you through His Word. Make it a habit. And I guarantee if you'll do it for three weeks... And then if you'll do it for three months, you're going to look back and you say, this has changed my life. This ha- God has spoken to me. I have learned something. That is very, 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 very certain. You can be sure of that. The last step in having a powerful devotional life is to make decisions. James chapter 1 and verse 22 says, don't be, uh, 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 well, it says, do be doers of the word and not hearers only. He says that those who are hearers only and not doers are like those who look at themselves in a mirror and they go off and forget what they look like, right? He says it's, it's futile to spend time in the Word of God if all you're doing is learning head knowledge. We need to make decisions to follow the Word of God. Earlier in our seminar this week, we talked about Matthew chapter 7. and We talked about making decisions. Matthew chapter 7, you remember... The house built on the rock and the house built on the sand. What is the one unique difference between these two structures and their outcome? They both heard the word of God, right? They both heard the word of God. But the house built on the rock, the character built on the rock, he not only or she not only heard but also went out and obeyed, right? The fastest way to kill your devotional time is to learn things and not act upon them. If you want to not hear God's voice speaking to you, then just ignore it when it does speak to you. That's the reality. When God's Word speaks to us, He asks us to make changes. I don't know what those changes are. In your life, my life, they're all different. But one thing is very certain. If, you want to, if I want to hear God's voice speaking to me in my devotions tomorrow, I ought to be willing to obey what He says to me today, right? Now, I want to tell you something. I, I want to say this because I believe it to be very, very true. Thankfully, our God is a very merciful, compassionate, and patient God. Because I don't know any Christian who wouldn't tell you that they haven't, at some point in their life, resisted what God was saying to them for a period of time. Sometimes weeks, sometimes days, sometimes years. There was something in their life they just weren't willing to give to God. All I'm going to say to you is this. The faster we give things to God and begin obeying what He says to us, the faster He teaches us more things. That's just true. Um, Jesus says, I think it's John 7, 17, if he who does my will will know of my doctrine. That is to say that if we want to know truth, we ought to obey the truth we know, right? So make decisions. Don't be hearers only, but doers of the word. I already talked about questions we can ask, and one of those questions, very important when it comes to making decisions, is there a command to obey or an example to follow? I remember one of the first um, evangelistic series I was working as a Bible worker for, and uh, we, had a, we had a young man who was coming. He must have been in his uh, mid-twenties, I would guess, and he was coming to those evangelistic meetings on a regular basis, and, and um, one night the pastor preached about uh, clean and unclean meat. 
And the Bible's pretty clear, you know, the law of meats, it's pretty clear. Don't eat them, don't touch them, right? It's what it says. Those pork and camel burgers and all the rest. So when the next night this young man came to the evangelic series, he, he pulled me and maybe some others aside, and this is what he said. He said, I have a problem. I said, what's your problem? He said, well, last night we learned about clean and unclean meat. I said, yes. So I have, uh, he's even had a hard time sort of getting this out. He said, I have some pork in my refrigerator. I said, okay. So what's the problem? Well, the Bible says, you know, it's unclean. Yes. But I have pork in the refrigerator. Yes. What do I do? Well, he said, if I were you, I'd throw it away. No, but it said, don't touch it. You know what? I think it'll be okay if you just sort of touch it long enough to put it in the trash. Now, that's sort of, I mean, it's humorous, isn't it? And it might even be cute, but it's also inspiring. Because this young man said, if God's word said it, I want to follow it. I want to follow it to the letter. I want to follow it to the T. I don't want to do something wrong. I want to do what God's word tells me to do. I've often chuckled as I've thought of that story, but it's often rebuked me too. Because so often we who know so much, we have a hesitancy to follow the light that we have. But if we want further light, we walk in the light that we have. Walk in the light while you have the light. For he who um, does not walk in the light will be left in darkness. So the four steps that we can have, we can follow to a vibrant, powerful devotional life are very simple, aren't they? I think they're simple. Make it a habit. Make it a conversation. Make it thoughtful. And make decisions. I believe that if you follow these four simple steps, asking God to speak to you on a regular basis, on a daily basis, praying through what He's telling you on that day, having a plan and following that plan, if you make it a habit, I believe God is going to speak to you in powerful ways. You may not always have a Eureka moment, but I'll, I'll make you one commitment. I believe you'll have, you will have those days where you say, God spoke to me. God answered my prayer. God showed me something. God answered my question. We don't become prophets. We don't go around saying, you know, I was going down the road and God said to me this and that and something else. But we do have God's Word. And God's Word speaks to us just as certainly as the prophets of old spoke to people back then. The Holy Spirit will use the Word of God to change you. And as you... As you spend time in God's Word, you may not even realize it, but your perception of who God is will be changing. Your perception of who you are will be changing. And remember, those are the only thing, two things you need to really know on a daily basis in order to have a saving relationship with Him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You that You've given to us the Word of God. We thank You for the chance we have to study it. Lord, we live in a time when we have Bibles freely, Others sacrifice their lives in order to have the Word in their own language. So, Father, we just pray that we would value the Word, that we would value the opportunities we have to study and to learn. We might be blessed as we seek to form a habit in 2017. Lord, if we've had a habit, we want to improve it. If we've studied Your Word, we want to study it better. If we've grown in You in the past, we want to grow in You more. Because you're a wonderful God. If we would only know you, we would love you. That's what you've said. So today, Lord, we just say we want to know you better. We want to love you more. I pray that you'll bless each person here, each person listening to this short 
seminar about how to study the Word of God. Lord, bless their devotional life with you. Bless them tonight, tomorrow morning, each morning in the coming year. Help them to form a habit. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to them, that you'll encourage them in their walk with you, that you'll dispel the miasma of sleepiness and tiredness and grogginess and thoughtlessness the devil might try to spell on them, that you'd give them an experience in the things of God. They might hear your voice speaking to them through Scripture, and they might grow in you. We pray that we might not have many more GYCs, but very soon we can we can be learning more about you face to face. Help us to have that experience. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference when all has been heard in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.